celebrate it, right, once a year on the, on the, on the traditional church calendar. But what does Advent mean? Anybody? What do you think, Jordan? What? Daily? No, not daily. Oh, no, yeah. What do you think, Ethan? What does Advent mean? No. Anybody got it? Caleb, what do you think? It's what comes once a year. No, it's not that either. What do you think, Katie? The day before Christmas. That would be Christmas Eve, but uh, Advent is a month long. Oh, is anybody know? Anybody got it? It means, Hannah, what do you think? I guess <laughs> it means arrival. Advent means arrival. And this is the season where we prepare, uh, not just for the arrival, it means when you arrive somewhere, when you come somewhere, when you land, when you appear somewhere. And so uh, we're, we're taking the next four weeks and talking about the gifts of Christmas and preparing uh, for the arrival of, uh, you know, not just Christmas Eve and the baby Jesus, but uh, obviously we celebrate Christmas now anticipating another arrival, right, for the return of Jesus, that one day God is going to come back for his planet. Uh, he's never left it, but he's going to uh, place all things under submission to him. Right now, not everything is, but Jesus will come back and rule and reign, and so we prepare for that as well. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, don't worry, I got another game for you kids, so just... Calm for a little bit. I know I just sugared you all up. All your parents are going, thanks, Tom. I just sugared you up. But hey, uh, stick with me here. I got another one mid-sermon. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. And God, thank you, uh, Lord, just for a, a joyful church. And I pray, God, as we come together now and talk about living with expectancy, God, that you'd open our minds to perceive and our ears to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start with the shepherd. In the desert, particularly the high desert, it can be cold at night almost any time of year. For this particular shepherd, the chips were down, and he had to take a job as a shepherd. Laying down about three miles outside of Bethlehem, he put his hands together, and folded them over some tattered rags that he was using as a pillow. Laid down on some filthy linens that he had kept on the ground. What few items he had lay all around with him. It was cold, rocky. He stunk. Smelt like B.O. His breath was probably horrible. He never got a chance to brush his teeth or take a bath. He, he lived out with the animals. And if you do that, after a while, you begin to look and smell like one and act like one. And so this was this shepherd. He worked seven days a week, even though in Israel they're supposed to get a day off. They rarely ever did. They weren't really allowed to come into the temple. They weren't allowed to testify in court. Shepherds were weird, kooky. In fact, being a shepherd is not a job that you shoot for. It's the job that you end up with. And for these guys, on a lonely night, they have their sheep all around them, and right in the middle is a fire. The three or four of them kind of lie in a circle, 
each keeping one ear to the sheep and one ear to the ground. And this particular man looks into the fire. He stares intently at it. He's not even sure what he should be hoping for. In fact, he's not even sure how to struggle to be content. It's a forgotten life, a forgotten man. In our day and age, we might think of him more as a robot, someone without status or feelings, someone who doesn't count, definitely a man who didn't make a sound in society. There is nobody here among us in our church that would probably qualify for this social status as this man. So none of us here could really say we've walked in the shepherd's shoes. And yet it was to this man one night that the night heavens opened with a bright light. At first he's not sure what it is. It begins to strain his eyes, but as he looks up, the outlying of a being about 20 feet above him takes him by surprise. Him and his other friends, they grab each other in fear, wondering what's happening. They're terrified. And then this incredible being from what seems like outer space, but from heaven, begins to speak. Picking it up in verse 10, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. All the people. It's not just, I bring good news of great joys for you. You guys are going to be awesome right now. I bring good news of, of, of great joy for him. I bring good news of great joy for all the people. Good news. Hey, I'm not here to discourage you. You're going to want to hear this. This is good news. This is joy. You haven't had joy for a while. I know. We've been watching you guys sleeping here with these animals. But I got some good news of great joy that will be for all the people. You know, when the angel showed up, nobody was probably more surprised that an angel spoke to them than the shepherds because nobody talked to the shepherds. Like I said, they stunk. You could smell their breath 20 feet away outside. Nasty people. I wasn't thinking of anybody here in this church. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> but then when you think about it, who else would an angel come to? Moses, the great hero of the Old Testament, was a shepherd. David, the king of Israel, began as a shepherd. Many of you have probably not read the book of Amos. It's a small book. It's a, one of the historical books, one of the prophetic books. I don't know if I'd have read it if I had, wasn't forced to in, in, in school. But when I did read it, I thought it was very interesting. God calls Amos to preach and be a prophet. And do you know what Amos' response is? Why should I preach? I'm only a shepherd. I'm only a shepherd. Shepherds farewell through all the Bible. You may say, why particularly these shepherds? And I strained on this. Why the shepherds? Why not the three wise men? They had to do all these calculations and do the star. Why not just show up and tell them? You know, why not? You know, why these shepherds? Why the lowest? Of the low. And why Jesus born in a barn stable, one of the lowest of the low. If you'd have walked in on Jesus' birth, you'd have said, Man, this couple is down on their luck. Oh my goodness, what has happened to these people? 
They're, they're like the street urchins under the church street just having a baby. They're in a barn. Nasty. Even the poor would have looked on Joseph and Mary and said, wow, I'm glad I don't have it as bad as you. Why the lowliest of shepherds? Why the lowliest of barn stables? And why come as an infant? In many ways, the lowliest of humans. Utterly dependent, can't talk, can't speak. They're, they're not resilient, for those of you who know that. They can pass very easy. And then it hit me. Everybody has access to everything the poor have. But the poor do not have access to everything the rich have. You come into my house, and I'm not saying I'm the poor, I'm probably just average. You come into my house, there's virtually nothing you're going to find where you say, wow, I wish I had that, or I wish we could afford that. Most of the things we have in there were either given to us, or we bought it, you know, bought Secondary in some way. I mean, not, nothing, nothing flashy. But if we were all to take a tour of, I'll oh, pick a billionaire, you know, and we walk in their house, there's some things in that billionaire's house I'll never have unless I become a billionaire, right? There's some, some things that billionaires can do I cannot do. So the approachability to a billionaire is quite limited. But the approachability to the poor is quite universal. What is the statement that God is Jesus making by announcing it to the shepherds and by coming as a baby? Everybody can come to me. Everybody can come to me. The lowest of the low, the highest of the high, everybody can come to me. So if you're a child, you can come to Jesus because he was a baby. If you're a young woman, you can come to Jesus because Mary was a young woman. If you're a young man, you can come to Jesus because Joseph was a young man. If you're an old woman, you can come to Jesus because Anna, whom Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to, was waiting for the coming of God in Israel, was waiting for a move of God. And Anna was old. If you're an old woman, you can come to Jesus. If you're an old man, you can come to Jesus because they brought Jesus to Simeon who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. If you're a blue-collar worker, you work hard, you work with your hands, you can come to Jesus because that's what the shepherds were. And if you're part of the upper crust, you can come to Jesus because that's who the three wise men were. The Christmas story covers all people. Do you see it? Do you get it? There's all types of people, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're rich or you're poor, you can come to Jesus. That is what the biblical story is outlined. It's not just for a few. It's not limited. It's for everybody. Good news of great joy for all people. And then in verse 11, he says, today... This is the good news of that, that will bring great joy to everybody. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah the Lord. Now, we've got lots of worldviews that are flirting around with our world today. We've got atheism. Uh, atheism believes that there is no God. 
that there is no purpose to the universe, that the only thing the future holds for every single person is death and despair. Whatever joy you have is a fleeting spark in the universal stardust. That's not, is that good news? That's not good news to me. Then there's deism. This is what functionally most of America lives in. Well, there was a God who made all this, but he left. God has abandoned earth. God has abandoned the planet. And so whatever happens to you, don't call on God because he doesn't know your name. He doesn't know you exist. He doesn't know your problem. And he cannot care because he's not here. That's deism. Monism, well, monism is kind of a new age thing. It's pantheism, really, where God is in everything. He's in that chair. He's in the light. He's in all the molecules. And there is no real justice. It's like, kind of like Star Wars and the Force. The Force. Be with you. Well, you know, the problem with those three primary worldviews, which a lot of people functionally operate in, there is no Savior. And there is no salvation. And there is no hope. If a bad day comes, you have no power to deal with it or stop it. Save whatever, you know, can scrounge up of the stuff of earth. There is a fourth option called theism. Theism is interesting because theism says you can be your own savior. God has said, hey, uh, you do what you do for you, I'll help you with. You become your own savior. The only problem is if something goes wrong with theism, God is punishing you. And then finally, standing above all the rest is Christianity. It's Christ. And what does Christ say? I am your Savior. I am salvation. I am your trouble in the storm. I am the strength when you are weak. I am your riches when you are poor. I am your joy when you are depressed. I am your hope when you're in despair. I am your peace when everything is going crazy around your life. Now that's good news of great joy, isn't it? If I were to come and say, well, you know, uh, it's atheism, deism, or monism. There's just no hope, no none of that. I mean, what are we all living for, right? You know, if it's theism, well, you know, if you're good enough, you know, maybe, you know, what, where's the hope in that? But if I were coming, you say, you know what? How would you like God to relate to you, not based on what you do, but based on what he's done for you? Now, that's good news. Amen? That's right. And then verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You will find. I'm saying that specifically that way. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Some of you, if I were to say, have you found, I like that line from, what was it? Uh, oh, man. Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, something like that, where the guy said, have you found Jesus yet? He goes, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. You know? Have you found, if I was to say to somebody, have you found Jesus? Yeah, there'd be a lot of you that say, I found Jesus. I found Jesus. You guys don't know that song. You've got to get that song. <laughs> if I to tell you, you say, I found Jesus. And what if I were to tell you, after you find him and invite him into your heart, you're to still keep seeking him. You go, oh, wait a minute. Well, what am, I, what am I seeking for if I've already found you? 
Because God doesn't give you the whole enchilada all in one shot. Salvation may come in all in one shot. But a relationship with God. God's plan for your life. The blessings that God has for you. I know for many of you, I look at a church like this, and for many of us, our, you know, on Thanksgiving, our bellies were full and our bills were paid. Maybe not all of you, but most of us. And there's a part of us where we can think, hey man, God supplied my need. That's all I need. A full belly and bills paid. How many of you would say amen and amen? What if I were to tell you that God has more for you than that? What if I were to tell you that God has bigger plans for your life than a full belly and bills paid? That that's actually just ground, step one, foundation one. Now Paul says, God wants to take us from glory to glory to glory. Paul says, I forget what lies behind because I am pursuing the upward call of Christ Jesus. And I want to see what's on those higher levels that I don't have yet. Why does God desire us to seek? Because God wants to be found. They didn't just pray. The shepherds didn't just pray about it. They didn't just believe. They acted on it. They did something. They did something. Why? Because God told them how to do it. One time when I was golfing with a buddy of mine, this was the course you walked. It wasn't particularly my favorite course, but it was golf and it was cheap. And so I'm out there golfing, and we're like way deep in there. You know when you can't even see the clubhouse? You're like in the middle of nowhere. And my, my buddy had brought a candy bar with him as his lunch. And so he's eating his candy bar, but I say, hey, you're up. So he drops his candy bar on the ground. This was an interesting guy I was friends with. Drops his candy bar on the ground, you know, wiggles up, you know, shoots his, shoots his and then grabs his clubs, and we start walking. He goes, oh, man, I forgot my candy bar. Well, when we went back to get it where the tees were, a whole flock of geese were surrounding that area. And, uh, and I said, you know what? I said, you know, one of those geese probably got it, you know. And he's like, that's okay. I only unwrapped the wrapper so much. I'm thinking, you'd finish it after a goose took a bite out of it? Oh, my goodness. What kind of... You should be a shepherd. Anyway, you know, so I... So, you know, I'm like, all right, fine. We, we go back there, and I put my clubs down, and now we're inspecting the geese because we think one of them has probably got it sticking out of the side of its mouth. So we're looking all around. I'm literally on a wild goose chase. I know that we use that as a proverb. I was on a wild goose chase, and finally, you know, we didn't find it, and I said, you know what? I'm tired. I don't want to look anymore. I don't want to look because we're not going to find it. For some of us, let's be dead honest. That's our relationship with God. God, I'm tired of seeking because it always seems like I'm on a wild goose chase, never finding anywhere, anything, on the road going nowhere fast. And God, I, I just, I don't, I don't want to be groping in the dark for you anymore. You're either out there or you're not. Quite frankly, my experience is you're not. So I'm just going to give up on this whole seeking thing. And my encouragement to you would be you're seeking him in the wrong way. You peel back all that self-talk. You peel back all your emotions. You peel back all your pride. You peel back all your feels. You peel back the grump. 
I'm sorry. I counsel a lot of people, and I've got to spend 20 minutes getting through the grump before I can actually get to some real things we can talk about. You know how life soured us so much. We're the most spoiled society in history, and we still get so grumpy. Peel back through all of that, and you'll find somewhere in there, God had a direction for you. Neither we didn't go on it, or didn't understand it, or ignored it, or, or we just stayed there staring at it. Sometimes we've got to peel back and say, you know what? This is the direction God was leading me on. I got to get back on that path and start walking on it. And if you do, I'm telling you right now, and I'm not, I'm not shoveling it up you right now. I'm saying it straight up. You get on that path and you follow the one God has for you. You can expect God's reward. You may not have it today. You may not have it tomorrow. But you can live in the confidence and expectancy that it will come. Like David said, I will see my blessing in the land of the living. I will see God's justice in the day of judgment. And so, but we can struggle with that. Uh, <clears throat> I played a game last, last service with, uh, with the, one of the kids. And so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on one I know. Caleb, are you still here? Come on up, Caleb. Caleb's my buddy. We're buddies, aren't we? We are good old camp buddies. Caleb and I have logged, logged a lot of miles together, haven't we? So we're going we're gonna to play a game, all right? And the game is a very common game. You're going to choose a hand, and it's either going to have a candy or it's not, right? What does that sound like? It sounds like rain, doesn't it? Kind of hard rain coming down on it actually wrapped candy okay all right do you, do you believe me now all right so i want you to pick a hand and if you pick the right hand you get two pieces of candy if you pick the wrong hand however you get nothing right oh, oh stay 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 you probably want to pick the left don't you you ready? Doesn't our relationship with God feel like that sometimes? Sometimes we almost see God as that tough love father saying, See, Sonny, life is full of disappointments. Life is full of hardship. You just got to suck it up because life is tough. Life is rough. And you just got to get used to it because this is life. It's sounding a lot more like atheism or deism, isn't it? It's not sounding like good news of great joy, is it? You know what the good news of great joy is? God hasn't abandoned us. There is a God. And we don't have to earn his blessing. The good news of great joy is that God is here right now going through every step of the way. And when he has his hands behind his back, both hands are filled with the candy. How many would say amen to that? Amen, amen. amen to that. Verse 13. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, this is key. Because obviously in this message, we are to be the shepherds, right? And the shepherds said to one another, let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I can't tell you, if I had a dollar for every time someone said, God told me to do this and I didn't do it. Or I felt like God was nudging me here, but I didn't obey that nudge. If you never go, you'll never know. I mean, come on, they could have just went, oh my goodness, we had too much pizza tonight. We better close our eyes and go to bed before something worse comes out of the sky, right? They could have been like good Western rational people. Whoa, man, I just hallucinated. But instead, let's go check it out. Let's go check it out. These are pretty specific instructions. Uh, Go to Bethlehem, right, the city. Go to a manger, specific spot in the city. You'll find a baby in swaddling clothes. We even have the age of this Messiah. It's going to be a little infant. Does that sound like a wild goose chase to you? Does that sound like God's playing with you? Does that sound like God's giving you, you know, shifty clues and shifty ideas? Somehow you got to grope in the dark to try to find what God's doing? No. Bethlehem. There will be a baby in a manger. I can 100% guarantee you that was probably the only baby born in a manger that night. Nobody else would do that. So the shepherds went to Bethlehem, and, see, and, and so they hurried off, verse 16, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Verse 16. They went and they found. Why? Because God wants us to find him. In fact, God is far better at finding us than we are finding him. God finds us and then plays a little circular hide-and-seek where we discover him in the finding. Verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured these things in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. And look at the very last sentence that's important. Which were just as they had been told. Just as they had been told. Just as God said it would be. Just as God said it would be, that's how it was. Just as God said it would be. I think deep down we all know God's way is the right way. And when we follow it, it will be just as he said it will be. We may fight it, trying to assert our independence at times. Maybe we're strung with anger or pride. All those get in the mix. But when you break down and filter through all of that, get down to the core, you'll find that God has spoken to you just like he spoke to those shepherds. And just as he said it would be, you'll find what God has for you. A few years ago, 
in Seattle, a lot of people bike to work. They ride their bikes. And a friend of mine's wife, when I was in college, he, her wife, his wife got hit by a car, and, and, and the car ran off. They, they never, um, and she's in the hospital, and she's looking at some serious life complications, things she'd never be able to do, have children, things like that. And he said, would you go to the chapel with me? I said, okay. You know, and I went to the chapel with him, and I didn't know what to say. I still don't know what to say. What do you say in those situations? It's hard. And so I, I, I asked him the stupidest question that anybody could have ever asked him. I, I would never ask this again. But I asked him the dumbest question ever. I said, so does this, like, hurt your relationship with God now? You kind of like, you know, you're, you're done with God because this happened. And he looked at me like, are you crazy? Are you nuts? He looked at me and said, Tom, I expect God's reward. I've done the best I can to live pure, to follow his way, to love him with all my heart, to worship him as much as a broken, fallen human being can. And I know, I know that no matter what happens, I expect God's reward. You know what I saw that day? I saw faith. I saw faith that day. I saw determination. There wasn't any selfishness in his voice. There wasn't any false hope. There was the assurance. God is a rewarder of those who live with expectancy. Remember the story about the paralytic man that was being lowered down through the, through the, through the ceiling? They, this guy, his friends wanted him healed so bad, they poked a hole in the roof and they lowered the dude down through the roof. You know, what, you know what the Bible says, Mark uh, 2, 5? When Jesus saw their faith, he got up and proclaimed the man clean. Sometimes Jesus needs to see a little something. The shepherds, they're walking to Bethlehem, and Jesus sees their faith. Perhaps this Christmas season, I'll leave you with a thought. Maybe you've come here this morning and Jesus is somewhat hidden from you. Not as clear as he once was. That might be on purpose. Jesus may have hidden himself only to spur your heart to seek and discover the awesome things that God has for you. And it's not just food in your belly or bills being paid experience and encounter with the Spirit of God. And I can tell you this much. As a man who loves both food and money. <laughs> it's all, the proof is in the smile. <laughs> I can tell you I'd trade all that for a genuine encounter with God. From glory to glory. The upward call. By your heads with me. Worship you come forward. Heavenly Father, as we come